Yes. Kingway Fox Beard Lock is acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red, Data's cat, Kempak's hat, Q has had enough of that, Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go! We are It's Thursday, July 7th, 2022, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. That means we're live. So you can pick up your phone right now, let your fingers do the walking, and give us a call at 646 and we'll get you on the air. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to be talking tonight about last week's episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, called All Those Who Wander. It's going to be a gornographic time, so you definitely want to hang out. We're going to have a lot of fun. So uh, we're also going to be talking <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some Star Trek news. We've got some interesting stories for you. Our Star Trek birthdays, fan shout-outs, and convention calendar. So you want to hang around? You want to get to dialing? Um, you can find us on Facebook at Trek Talking and Beyond. You can also visit us on podpage.com slash trek-talking. And there you can find all of our previous podcasts. Tonight, I'd like to say hello to our, um, our new, well, not new, but uh, he's filling in for Eric tonight. And he's one of our dynamic duo who's visiting us tonight from Portland. And, of course, I'm talking about David, the donut guy. How you doing tonight, David? Oh, I'm pretty good. Don't have any donuts, though. That's sad. But, uh, oh, yeah, fine. I'm excited to start this and see what happens. Hit the road. No, you're done. You're done. That's it. You're done. No donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, David's going to be filling in for Eric, who's on vacation this week. So uh, welcome to the show tonight. We also have with us from Portland, our very own Paul, the wine guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? I'm well, man. It's been a good week. It's been an interesting week. I went whitewater rafting this last week. It was awesome. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, if you've never done it, I recommend it. It's insane. Very cool. Very cool. I've I'm never feeling, it's making me feel fearless this week. Like I can overcome any obstacle. <laughs> cool. And uh, we also have with us, rounding out our, our trifecta of co-hosts, we have with us, as usual, our very own Charles out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good, as usual, enjoying the air conditioning, even though it's only a mild 102 today, which isn't bad compared to what we'll wow. see next week. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. 
Well, guys, uh, like I said, uh, this, we're going to have a great show tonight. We have 105,438 followers on our Facebook page. Can you believe that? Over 105,000, which is incredibly awesome. And we have 116,177 downloads of the podcast to date, which is really, really cool. And I'd like to say one more time, uh, we'd like to welcome our fans from the UK and Ireland to the Star Trek family now that Paramount Plus is officially available there. I hope you guys are enjoying the 24-7 home of Star Trek as much as we are. So uh, without any further ado, guys, we're going to dive right into our fan shout-outs. And this is the part of the show where I would say, and now we're going to turn it over to Eric. But tonight, we're going to turn it over to our very own David the Donut Guy. Take it away, David. <laughs> cool. Well, this has a uh, <clears throat> further, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, sorry for making anybody's name, uh, butchering anybody's name. There we go. <laughs> so just bear with me. So let's see. Uh, the first name I want to uh, give a uh, fan shout out would be would uh, Brad Bowman from Gilroy, California. <clears throat> and the second top fan uh, would be Tim Kraus from the Netherlands. Uh, the third one would be Charles David Burkhart from Maryville, Tennessee. Fourth is John Thornton from Massachusetts, U.S., and last but not least would be Billy Adams, Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia. And Charles, who would you like to give a fan shout out for? Let's start off with uh, with Alexandra Ramos from Portugal. For Jensen, day I roam Denmark, close to the German border. Mandy Soto from the Dominican Republic. And I'm going to double up on top fans, Stephen Stephen DeVore from Parksburg, West Virginia, and top fan Carrie Stanford from Michigan. Paul, who's on your list? Well, my friend, I am fortunate indeed. I have all kinds of wonderful citizens of this fabulous orb we call Earth that have been tuning in, not only to all things Trek-related, but to our wonderful podcast and Facebook page. Let's start off and throw our dart over in Vlaardingen, Hollands, in the Netherlands, to George Witterhoff. Thank you so much for listening. We love hearing from you. You live in an absolutely gorgeous part of the world. I think that's in the southern regions of Holland, if I'm not mistaken. Also, a mighty kapla to Zachariah Halidi. hope I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly, in Miramas, France. I think that's a memory served in the Rhone, if I'm not mistaken, but wonderful area to live in. I hope you are having a wonderful time, and thanks so much for uh, giving us a, a hello. It's wonderful to hear from you. I've got a pair of Vulcan signs that are flashing us. Uh, the Live Long and Prosper uh, from Oliver Menke in Lippstadt, Germany is uh, saying uh, 
peace and long life to us. Also, uh, and this is where we spin over to the other hemisphere here, it's uh, a great hello, and thank you for listening to Lisa Buck in Christchurch, New Zealand. Also, uh, flying the live long and prosper. Thank you so much for listening to us on the other part of the globe, and uh, a sort of neighbor of yours, just a few nautical miles away. Uh, it turns out you've got a pal there in Adelaide, South Australia, uh, in Glennis Flight. A wonderful name, Glynis Flight. Sounds like a famous aviatrix is what it harkens up to me. A great aviator, explorer. Thank you for listening and for singing us hello and waving the uh, Australian flag. It's wonderful to hear from you all, wherever you may be. Uh, This is proof to me that uh, faith in the future and uh, fondness and enthusiasm for all things Star Trek are global phenomena that unite us all. So, Jim, who would you like to uh, give hailing frequencies to next? Well, we have, we have a few that I'd like to say thank you to. First of all, let's go over to Scotland. That's right, Scotland. That's where my grandmother is from. We would like to say thank you to Evelyn McLeland for listening in Scotland. Thank you so much, Evelyn. I have a couple of top fans on my list as well. We'll start off with Trevor Husker, who's listening in South Australia. Good day, Mike. Nice to have you along for the ride. And also top fan, Jerry Newkirk, who's listening in Denver, Colorado. And uh, Michelle Allen, who's listening to us in Charlottesville, Virginia. Kapla. And last but definitely not least, we'd like to say thank you and live long and prosper to Linda Lemke Ramos, who's listening to us in Orlando, Florida. If you guys would like to hear your name on a future fan shout out, just head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out at the top of the page. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper. And just drop in there and tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means your name is going to be featured on a future fan shout-out and immortalized for all of eternity as a listener of this podcast. So that wraps up our fan shout-outs. And we're going to go to the phone lines right now because – we have a caller. Yes. Hello. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello, caller. Caller, can you hear me? Oh, this is once. Yes, sir. This is once again Anna calling from the vicinity of Portland. How you doing tonight, Anna? Anna. Good. And I hope you're doing good as well. Oh, absolutely. It's Trek Talking Thursday. Yes. I understand most are actually in the Portland vicinity as well. Is that David, correct or is that? Yep. Just David, Eric, so much Okay. So much of Portland has just died. Doesn't it seem like that? Anyway kind of wondering where the new rebirths are going to be for like, you know, science fiction centers or I guess the convention center will always just be a mainstay no matter what. Like there are certain institutions that bring people in. But anyway. I think it will be Portland because it seems that everyone's from Portland uh, (laughs) to me. Maybe that's like the center of the universe and everything just pulsates out from Portland. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to <laughs> it's a, it's a weird magnet. 
<laughs> it's the donuts in the water. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Not even like donuts. Oh my god. <laughs> See that? Crazy. It's just, it's yeah, we we have a lot of Portlanders that that tune into the show. Yeah. Interesting. Very uh-huh. interesting. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take they our do very kind of char- They yeah. do kind of characterize that- baking and donuts. I mean, they characterize everything about donuts, you know, voodoo donuts, all the rest. It's very hierarchically built, those city of men, for quite some time. Yeah. And it's in fantastical, yet, you know, unbelievably business, you know, just and- really poor ways but that are so artificially supported, you know, so maybe there is a market for like science fiction just with, you know, resources people do have to spend on things that aren't just like, you know, the caricature of baking that is voodoo donuts in Portland or something. I don't know. There's a maybe lot, like a, a star space in Portland to grow. <laughs> nice star, like a live long and prosper donut or something. David, you got to get to work there on that. Go. There you go. <laughs> they actually already have another donut. Uh, oh, they actually already have another donut shop here. That's kind of Star Trek theme. It's called. Uh, I mean, they don't really have Star Trek stuff in there, but it's called Pips Donut here in Portland. It's actually kind of interesting. Oh really? Nice. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. You know, I'm so scared to eat anywhere these days. I'm. Homebound anyway, trying to cook myself, but good to keep in mind because, yeah, it does seem a lot in the city is kind of changing. So, <laughs> cool. We're glad to be listening today. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're, you're always welcome here at any time. So, we're going to take you. our first commercial break here, guys, and when we come back, we're going to do Star Trek birthdays. Hi there, this is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond, or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. Okay, and Eric's not with us in person, but he's with us in Seoul. So this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and uh, we have to do our Star Trek birthdays. We have to hear from Worf. That was not a Klingon song. No, Grumpy Wharf says that every week, but we love him anyways. And this is the part of the show where we, sadly enough, remember those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we're going to turn to David this week. So, David, who are we remembering this week from our Star Trek family? Oh, man. Okay. So it looks like we got several here. Um, first one would be it went to Brock Peters, who 
also is known for his role in as Admiral Cartwright, who played in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, also Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and as we all know from DS9, he also played as Joseph Sisko. Another one would be uh, William Mader as Captain Lindstrom from the TOS Court Muscle. <clears throat> Another one would be uh, Richard Tatro, who played as Norman Android from the TOS episode I Mud. The other one would be Guy Raymond, who was the bartender on the Station K7 from the episode Troubled with Troubles from the TOS episode. Um, Let's see. Another one would be William Scarlett, who played as Nils Barris in a TOS episode, Troubled with Troubles. Uh, And another one would be Ward Costello, who played as Admiral Quinn in the TNG episode, Coming of Age and Conspiracy. Uh, Charles, do you have any on your list? Okay. Got a little bit of research on a few people. Start off with Earl Billing, who played Admiral Henry in TNG's The Drumhead. Happy 77th birthday. And not only we see him in Drumhead, but we saw him for a few years in a commercial. But he never spoke. He just had this duck walk up to him and say, Aflac! But he was in many of the Aflac commercials where he, the duck would come up to this guy and this guy would give him this odd look on his face. That was Earl. Paul Rednick played Kivas Fajo in TNG's The Most Toys. Happy 74th birthday to Saul. Marnie McFillin played Lieutenant Feger in Star Trek's First Contract. Also played Alicia in Boys Innocent. Wendy Shaul played the hollow wife of the doctor in Boy's Real Life. She was in many classic 80s. But most recently, you're, you're used to hearing her as Francine Smith on the animated series Family Guy. That's Wendy. Ed Ross played the terror, uh, terror, a terror, yes, Telluride Gavin, Enterprise's Bounty. Bruce French, take a deep breath, played Savin Ganestra in TNG's Drumhead. Play Suna's Officer Number One Insurrection. Ocampa Doctor in Boy's Caretaker, the Falcon Elder in Enterprises and Dorian Incident. 
happy 76th birthday in all the shows you were wandering in. And at the last minute, I got Billy Campbell added to my list, who, pla- who played Captain Stadium Okana in TNG's The Outrageous Okana. Okay, Paul, who's on your list? Oh, my friend, there are all kinds of folks just getting older and celebrating and wreaking havoc and enjoying their festivities this week. Uh, first off, we're going to give a great big happy birthday to Alan Ruck, who a lot of folks may rec- remember from uh, the zany Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he was Ferris's pal Cameron, I believe was his name. Yeah, And uh, we know him here in the Trek world, though, uh, from Star Trek Generations, where he played uh, Captain John Harriman, who uh, you'd think would be in a well-positioned place in Starfleet. There he was, ready to uh, take the inaugural Excelsior class Enterprise B out for its uh, maiden voyage, except nothing's, <laughs> nothing's been provided for him. There's no, uh, the warp drive's not working, all kinds of stuff's not there. His crew's not there for, well, we get for we'll on get next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Next Tuesday. <laughs> Everything's coming next Tuesday. But, you know, you can have all the training you want, but timing rules the universe. I guess that's the best lesson we got for you, Captain Harriman. So, Alan Rock, happy birthday to you. A, another uh, great birthday that we have coming up here is to actress uh, Joyce Ague, who is also on uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, who played, I believe, several uh, appearances as Ensign Gates on that series uh, in the first couple of seasons. I think Happy it was birthday. eight, I think, all together. That many? Wow, she was all over the place. <laughs> yep. That's great. So a familiar face on the Enterprise D bridge. And also Don Stark. Don Stark played in Star Trek First Contact as Nikki the Nose, who was a, a gangster uh, from uh, Holodeck reality, if memory serves, that uh, John Luke and company had to deal with there. Nikki the Nose. Also, happy birthday to actress Dawn Arneman, played Miss Gladstone in a Next Generation. We were just talking about this recently, Next Generation episode, The Child as well. So a lot of next gen uh, folk are celebrating their birthdays this week. And, and then go ahead, brother, in, go ahead. I got to throw something in here for Eric, who will be listening to this show later. That show introduced two characters. One of them was Guinan. The other one is one of Eric's favorite doctors. And of course I'm talking about Dr. Pulaski. Dr. So Pulaski, of course. Yeah. Got to throw that out there for Eric. There you go. Excellent. Well, I know he's, he's uh, got a smile on his face wherever he may be on vacation right now. He just doesn't know why yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, next up, uh, huge greetings to actor Robert Ito. Uh, Robert Ito is basically, if he shows up at a science fiction convention, uh, people would be like, I know you. He's been in everything. He's been on the X-Files, Buckaroo Banzai, uh, pretty much you name it. This guy works like crazy he is in just about everything um, but we're here to celebrate his uh, appearances on uh, next gen as lieutenant chang in the episode uh, coming of age and in uh, voyager episode author author where he played uh, john kim 
Now, this next one is a fascinating one, and I know this is moving into uh, Eric territory here, uh, <laughs> at least right next door. Eric's like, I feel like I'm divorcing myself from reality right now, and I'm not sure why. You know how folks sometimes when they're making a TV show, it takes a while to get all the ingredients to work out. Sometimes you pour the milk in and the milk doesn't stir properly. It's just it's just not the right combination of ingredients for this particular recipe. Um, a recent example of that would be Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones shot an entire version of the pilot that was evidently a disaster that <laughs> never aired. Okay, and they went back. And they recast several parts, and they got another person behind the scenes, and they took another crack at it. But from what I'm told, that first pilot was just a train wreck, and nobody, nobody thought it would ever become a series. Why am I mentioning this, friends? Well, there's a reason. There's method to my madness, because something similar happened to the very first pilot of Star Trek Voyager. Because before the beloved Catherine Janeway that we all know, on that particular series, there was another iteration of that character. And we're here to celebrate that actor's birthday today because, believe it or not, friends, very famous actress, Genevieve Bujold, who's been in, like, everything. I mean, uh, David Cronenberg's Dead Riggers, you name it. I mean, this is a person who's done... Coma. I mean, a very famous actress, right? I mean, hugely famous. Actress and uh, initially, this was Captain Janeway. Except a little thing going on there you might not uh, realize is uh, it was not Catherine Janeway at that point in time. Okay, but during the initial outing there, the character was called Nicole Janeway. All right, and uh, if you look on YouTube or on a couple of the Voyager DVDs, you can see footage of these initial scenes, right? It was never aired, never broadcast. Apparently, uh, all we want to do is wish a happy birthday to uh, Ms. Bujol here today. But apparently, it was not a great deal. And there are various uh, explanations from many different points of view about why that didn't work. But it was basically, uh, I, she worked for a day and a half, and everyone agreed this was just not the recipe to make a prize-winning uh, <laughs> prize-winning uh, Flambe or whatever you may be trying to make in the kitchen. So, but still, uh, trivia question or no, Genevieve Bujold is a, a wonderful addition to the cosmos and firmament that is Star Trek. So a bit of a trivia question, but uh, fascinating stuff. So go check out those YouTube links and see this little bit of trivia history for the Voyager universe. Lastly, my final uh, birthday celebration is someone I think a lot of us are super fond of, uh, who is a real contemporary of uh, the uh, Star Trek universe from Star Trek Discovery, who's having a birthday this week, none other than Emily Coots. Emily Coots is an actress, also producer and writer, but we all know her for her portrayal of Lieutenant Kayla Detmer on Star Trek Discovery. She is super cool striking persona uh, she's been i believe in gosh at least i think pretty much every episode of discovery if i'm not mistaken uh but has had a ton of uh fan love for her portrayal they recently did a special uh one-off uh comic issue uh, exploring uh uh 
Detmer as well. So really, really uh, a great member of that ensemble cast, uh, Emily Coots, and uh, we hope you're having a fantastic birthday, uh, whatever century, whatever part of uh, the Discovery Universe you find yourself. Uh, sounds like there's been a lot going on there recently, a lot of shooting happening, excited to learn more. I'll pass the crazy uh, birthday baton over to you, Jim. I'm so envious well, of your next, of who you get to talk about next. I'm just so envious. <laughs> I've got some crazy ones, and I always save the Klingons for last, if I have any. And this week, I have more at the end than I do at the beginning, which is cool, because it hardly ever happens. But the first one, the first one, um, yeah, the first one, I think most people (laughs) would know this guy as Red Foreman from that 70s show, you dumbass. Most people would know him from that. There's oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> there's other people, such as myself, who might be longer on the tooth than others, who would know him more as Clarence Boddicker from RoboCop. Ding, ding, and, ding, ding, uh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> the greatest villain yeah. ever. The yeah, best bad is, guy ever, dude. The bad guy, <laughs> yep. And RoboCop can't kill him until he gets fired. <laughs> and when he gets fired... He literally gets fired by RoboCop. So, uh, but we're not remembering him for either. And he's had a lot of other roles as well, but we're not remembering tonight for either of those roles. Uh, Kurtwood Smith played the United Federation of Planets president in Star Trek VI. Uh, he's the guy that wouldn't let them go in rescue Kirk and McCoy. Uh, from the Awesome haircut, too. <laughs> yeah, and oddly enough, was supposed to be in uh, sitting in front of the Eiffel Tower, and basically it was just a TNG um, uh, ten forward set with a curtain hanging in front of it. So that's where they filmed that scene. He also played Thrax in DS9's Things Past, and he appeared on Voyager as Anorax in the Year of Hell Part One and Part Two. And that's not all. He also voiced a character named Clar in LDS's Veritas. So happy birthday to Kurtwood Smith. Um, and the next one, because, you know, I'm such a music kind of guy. I just, I love music. Music and movies or TV shows will make it or break it for me. Dennis McCarthy definitely made it because he brought us such great themes as the DS9 theme, the Voyager theme. Star Trek Generations, and Enterprise, just to name a few. He's the music maestro of Star Trek um, on television. <laughs> I think Jerry Goldsmith would take that role for me, just for the motion picture. But at any rate, happy birthday to Dennis McCarthy. And the last non-Klingon on my list, I'll play Lieutenant Malcolm Reed on five on four seasons of Star Trek Enterprise, of course, we'd like to say happy birthday to Mr. Dominic Keaton, uh, who, if I recall correctly, Charles was the first member of Section 31, I believe, that we I ever that we so. know. Yeah, that we know of. So now we get to dive into some Klingon territory, guys, and uh, here's where I got to take a deep breath. So the first Klingon birthday that we want to say is we want to say kapla. To Tom Maggie, who plays Seclar in TNG. <laughs> He's like the, the the devil of Klingons, right? So disturbing, uh, man. So disturbing. 
<laughs> you know, he, uh, yeah, he's got like hairy hooves like on him. He's a really uh, scary. He looks like type a, he looks of... demonic. I mean, he looks like a horrible demon from the netherworld. He's just frightening. He doesn't yeah, look like kind a of reminds me of somebody who played on the labyrinth. Yes, exactly. He looks like a labyrinth guy. But a uh, happy birthday to Tom who plays Feklar. Uh, one of my favorite episodes um, here, we'd like to say happy birthday and blah to Charles H. Hyman, who played Lieutenant Connell in TNG's Heart of Glory. Uh, that was the first season episode where the three Klingons come aboard the Enterprise and they want to hijack the ship. That was so that good. episode. So I good. I love that episode. That's where they build the, the disruptor from their belt buckles and their shoes and stuff. And, um, the utility belt. Yep, their bat belts. <laughs> Great episode. Uh, one of the one of the standout episodes of season one, and he was in that. All right, guys, here we go. Whew, okay, this next guy has a half a page for me to go through. Um, he's played twelve roles on Star Trek and appeared in twenty-seven different episodes across the Star Trek universe. I'm not talking about Jeffrey Combs, although Jeffrey Combs is also in this club. I'm talking about Vaughn Armstrong. And you're saying, Uncle Jim, who the hell is Vaughn Armstrong? Well, sit down, (laughs) and I'm going to tell you, because we've got quite a few. So speaking of Heart of Glory, he played Commander Chorus in that episode. Uh, This was the the actual guy that was on the Enterprise, the other character, that I mentioned earlier was the captain of the ship that comes to get them. But uh, Commander Chorus is actually the guy who opens up the dude's eyes when he dies and they scream that crickling on death yell. Um, that's Commander Chorus uh, from Heart of Glory. He also played another Klingon in Voice episode Endgame. He played Koroth. That's the guy from the future where Janeway goes to get the, the uh, board time travel thing there. Uh, she gets that from Korath, and those are the two Klingons. Well, actually, he played another one. We'll get to that in a minute, but those are the two we're going to mention at the top. On Deep Space Nine, now I broke these down a little different than I normally do. Um, I'm going to do them by series, okay? So on Deep Space Nine, he appeared as Gal Danar in Past Prologue. He appeared as Seskal in an episode When It Rains and the Dogs of War. He appeared as Telek Ramor in Eye of the Needle. That was a really cool Voyager episode, if you guys never saw it. First season, where they find a micro wormhole, and they send a message through to this Romulan. He's the Romulan that gets the message. Unfortunately, if I remember correctly, it was way in the past. And yeah. yeah, I think it was like 30 or 40 years in the past or something. It was the wormhole in back and back. Something yeah, like that. I think that. it was like a whole but century behind or something. It was a good episode, though. Really a good episode. And on Voyager, he played Lancer slash two of nine in the episode Survival. In the episode, uh, he played a Vidian captain in Fury. That's the episode where um, Kess comes back and destroys the Voyager because she's pissed off at Captain Janeway. He played an Alpha Herogen in Flesh and Blood. On Star Trek Enterprise, 
He appeared as the Klingon captain in Sleeping Dogs, which was a great episode. He appeared as the Kestrian captain in Vox Sola and A Night in Sickbay. But the the role that most people are going to recognize him for, he played Captain Maximilian Maxwell into the mirror darkly, and he played Admiral Maxwell on Star Trek Enterprise for the entire run of Enterprise. I think he's most known as Admiral Maxwell Forrest. Whew, was that a hell of a birthday list, guys? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That was a list of all lists. All right, guys. Well, now that we finished up our birthdays, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back to the convention calendar. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And uh, I just want to find out for a second here. Anna, who was who your favorite of all the birthdays? Was there any one of them that was your favorite? We had a lot. You know, I have no idea. I just, you know, chip out through that one. I'm gardening right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I chip out through that one. And, you know, you say something sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know when you're going to say them. And it could be any time. You may not realize that the kind of random things come out sometimes. I'm just with the show. I mean, I'm a, I'm a constant listener, you know. That's I know the volume okay. time. That's so I, right. I listen in that way, but I have to say, is there something like, is there, can you point, like, what was your favorite, by the way, and why? Well, I, I have to, I'd have to go with the Klingon, obviously. I think that, I think that, um, well, Tom Maggie, who played Teklar, that's an interesting birthday, interesting character. We don't know anything so about Teklar. Um, oh, I think. So, so is it astrological interest or how they celebrate a birthday. That would actually be a fun book of, you know, inner cultures. Yeah, we don't really imagine, you know. But anyway. Yeah, we don't know. We don't really know. That's why I'm going (laughs) So, but why would it be your favorite? Why why then? Anyway, I'm I'm still a little confused with your question. I wish I could answer it better, but I just don't know why. Yeah, and I'm saying, or the context, I guess. Yeah, the context. So that's okay. That's all right. Okay. So we're okay. going to go I'm into. Out. Nope, not a problem at all. We're going to go into okay. our convention, convention, convention calendar. Well, it's time for convention calendar, and you get to start us off. Okay. Sorry for the noise in the background, but I had to turn on my AC because it's starting to get a little hot in here. 
but not as hot as it's going to be over in Dallas Comic Show 2022. For August 12th to the 13th, we have uh, Music City Mall, Lewisonville, in Lewisonville, Texas. And uh, looks like there's going to be another one over in San Espo, Boston. Uh, this is going to be from August 12th to, to the 14th. 2022 Boston Convention Center and Exhibitation Center (laughs) over in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, The next one is Fandom Fest 2022. Going to take place between August 12th to the 14th. It's called, um, oh, sorry, it's over in. Oh, wow. I cannot even pronounce that word. Somewhere in New York. Uh, Jim, do you want to have to Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll take that Because I might actually be at that one. That's Fandom Fest 2022, August 12th to the 14th at Proctor's Theater in Schenectady, New York. That's where my wife and I graduated. We graduated from Scotia Glenville High School, and they held our graduation at Proctor's Theater, by the way. And this particular convention... Um, is going to have a lot of people there. And one of them is going to be the actor who played Childs in The Thing, and he was also in They Live. And I'm looking forward to meeting him myself. I'm trying to get a table there for truck talking. Um, I've reached out to them, and they haven't gotten back to me yet, but hopefully we can set up a table there. I can give out some business cards, and maybe I can do a live show from there and talk to some of the guest stars that are going to be there. So, I'm looking forward cool. to that one myself. That's my nice. old stopping nice. ground. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that's all the one from me. So, Paul, what's on your list? Hey, man. You know what? We're talking August, and uh, the mercury is going to be sizzling. So what you want to do when it gets to be that hot is you want to head inside to the air-conditioned comfort of a huge convention center so you can be amongst your friends, meet new friends, rub elbows with the celebrities, all that good stuff, because August is hot. And you know where it gets hotter than almost anywhere is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, friends. Okay, it gets really hot there. We're talking Desert hot, Africa hot. At the Albuquerque Convention Center, August 12th through 14th, fittingly, it's the New Mexico Comic and Film Expo 2022. So a lot of movie fans, a lot of comic fans rushing in together and sharing their enthusiasms in the crazy desert environments of Albuquerque. You want to hit that con. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, People who really know have a good time. New Mexico is an amazing state full of really cool people. So I think that's going to be uh, an amazing time. Then this is crazy, okay, because folks in Pennsylvania, the week of August 12th through August 14th, you actually have kind of uh, dueling kindred cons happening the same week. So you can really go crazy and do a little bit of driving at the same time. Really get your con on that week, Pennsylvanians. You, first of all, uh, at the Monroeville Convention Center, you have Steel City Con 2022. Steel City Con, that's kind of, you know, hardcore, right? That's Pennsylvania for you right there in Monroeville, August 12th through 14th. Got all that uh, excitement. And then uh, drive a little ways out the road that same week to the Deanne Center Performing Arts in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, for the Wellsboro Comic-Con 2022. So 
you're going to have all kinds of good stuff. A lot of chance to cruise in, get some back issues, meet some celebrities, get some stuff signed, meet some new folks. I know people that have met and fallen in love at Comic-Con. So, friends, anything can happen, and it probably will, but you're not going to have it happen if you stay at home. So get out to those cons. Jim, I know you got cons on the brain. What are you feeling about uh, telling us about today, buddy? Well, I've got one the same weekend, so uh, if people don't want to go to uh, any of the previous conventions that we mentioned, which are all on the same weekend, I have another one on the same weekend. We have Stockton Con, summer 2022. August oh, it's 12. hot there, man. Woo, it gets hot in Stockton. Damn. Stockton Arena in Stockton, California. So if you don't want to go to Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, if you don't want to go to Monroe, Pennsylvania, if you don't want to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, if you don't want to go to Schenectady, New York, if you don't want to go to Boston, Massachusetts, <laughs> or Louisville, Texas, <laughs> you can always go to Stockton, California. Conventions the same time, same bat channel. So pick one and hit the road. Okay, so we're going to leave that date behind us and go to another date. We're going to go to Emerald City Comic Con, August 18th through the 21st at the Washington State Convention Center in Seattle, Washington. Dude, I just got to tell you, as somebody who resides in the Pacific Northwest, the Emerald City Con is one of the best comic cons there is. It is just amazing. I, I cannot recommend it enough uh if you're lucky enough to live there folks uh check it out if you're within driving distance don't miss it it is a tremendous con they get all kinds of great guests get creators it's just top of the pyramid for the pacific northwest i gotta say it's just wonderful nice well i've got one more on my list and we're going to go to geek con august 19th through the 21st at the Shreveport Convention Center mm-hmm. in Shreveport, Los Angeles. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Charles. Uh, Jim, I hate to say it, but I, Shreveport is not in Los Angeles. It's in Louisiana. <laughs> Wrong end of the country. A lot of geographies, uh, you're, you're, you're moving matter. You're moving two areas together, man. I, I think I'm the whole, beaming, beaming the, over there. The San Andreas Fault is going to explode if you try to move those two areas <laughs> together. It's, it's too crazy. Well, if uh, you don't want to go to Shreveport, Louisiana, <laughs> you can go to Hub City Comic Con that same weekend in Lovelock, Memorial Civic Center in Lovelock, Texas. Or if you just want the two days that weekend, you can go to AnchorCon in Carew Recreation Park Arena in Clayton, New York. Or you can go to Film and Comic-Con Glasgow in Freehead Arena, Glasgow, UK. So a lot of stuff's going the weekend of the 19th to 21st in August. So, Jim, I bet you want to get to some news. Yes, it's time for some Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. 
Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert, and that means it's time for our Star Trek news, and we've got some really good stories for you guys tonight. But first, first, I got to set the mood a little bit for you guys. So sit back and enjoy some mood music. guys recognize that theme song, of course, don't you? Of course. I wouldn't have played it if there's not a reason. That is the theme song from Star Trek Prodigy. And why, pray tell, am I playing that? Because tomorrow, tomorrow, July 8th at 8 p.m., Star Trek Prodigy is set to premiere on Nickelodeon. That's right. Nickelodeon, for it premiered on Paramount+. Plus. As far as I know, all the new episodes are going to premiere on Paramount Plus first, and then they're going to move over to Nickelodeon. So uh, the story goes, uh, 8 p.m. Star Trek Prodigy is set in the Star Trek universe. The series follows a group of lawless teens as they discover a derelict Starfleet ship and use it to reach for adventure, meaning, and salvation. Star Trek Prodigy originally premiered on Paramount Plus. Following its debut on Nickelodeon, episodes will become available on Nick.com the Nick app, and uh, Nick on demand. So, you so guys Jim, are... I just want yeah. to make sure I understand. So these are the episodes that, have, that are airing tomorrow are the ones that have already aired on Paramount Plus, right? These aren't new episodes. Correct. If you have Paramount Plus, uh, you've already seen these episodes. Okay. Right? Awesome. Awesome. I just want to make sure these weren't the, the continuation and, because they're going to come to Paramount Plus first, I'm guessing. Yeah. Originally, they were uh, – that was part of the agreement they made because – uh, it was it was going to be on Nickelodeon, and then they said, no, 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 no. Paramount Plus is the Star Trek channel, so okay, it'll cool. Play Paramount Plus first, then it will go to Nickelodeon. I'm sure Nickelodeon is going to run it continuously. So this is probably like uh, like an ex- a way to extend the audience for those folks who don't have Paramount Plus. Yeah, awesome. Exactly. Okay. I just want to make sure I was clear. And, and I got to just say too, it's just like if you don't have Paramount Plus and you're like, oh, animated. 
Star Trek, whatever, right? I mean, I was super dismissive of this show when it first came out. And then I watched it, and it's awesome. So if you've not seen it and you have Nickelodeon, dude, definitely check it out. I thought it was excellent, because that's why I wanted to clarify it wasn't new episodes, because I'm with bated breath waiting to, to see more. They did a terrific job with this show, wouldn't you say, Jim? Oh, absolutely. We, we've talked about it on the podcast many, many times. So if the, there, well, I think there's eight episodes, Charles. Is there eight or nine? No, I think we had ten. Or ten. We had the okay, first so ten. Those ten episodes. And we will, got the second will... ten coming later. Yeah, because uh, the so finale is a two-parter, right? I think, the uh, Moral Star. Yeah, so. Yes, it's a two-parter. So, the um, Friday night at 8 o'clock on Nickelodeon, you'll be able to watch the first episode of Prodigy. And every Friday night at 8 o'clock, you'll be able to watch a new episode of Prodigy if you don't have Paramount Plus and you haven't seen these before. If you do have Paramount Plus, just head on over there and click on the Prodigy icon and you can watch all 10 of the episodes. You can binge them all. So, yeah. Awesome. It's yeah, good, man. It's great. Yeah. I just wanted to drop. And, and, um, yeah, I think there's 50 episodes that have been ordered, I think we said, Charles. Wasn't it? Something like that? I don't remember, I don't remember. how many episodes. I know they've got two seasons. It was we don't know when the next ones are coming, do we? Or do we know when they're coming? No, I, I'm assuming it will we be don't after know Lower Decks. Right. Right. We know it's coming this year, but we don't have a, a date yet. Hmm. So we'll have to wait and see. But it's good stuff. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It's some good stuff. And uh, Charles, speaking of good stuff, you've got some good stuff for us. Yep. Star Trek's greatest ear is coverage as Will Wheaton takes helm as writer. IDW Publishing is celebrating Star Trek's 400th issue with a one-shot across Serious Eras featuring a new tale by TNG star Will Wheaton. Long time, the next generation alumni, Will Wheaton, is taking over as writer in a massive Star Trek one-shot celebration in its 400th issue by covering the greatest era of the, of the series. Since Gene Roddenberry's iconic science fiction series debate debuted in 1966, has become a huge staple in popular culture. The tales, the Enterprise crew, and beyond have been legendary as they sprawled multiple, multiple television ser- series, movies, video games, and toys that will still remain relevant to this day. IEW Publishing will be producing a new one-shot anthology to celebrate Star Trek's 400th issue. The comic will be an oversized collection that will feature new stories from across the Star Trek universe. Will Wheaton, the actor who played Wesley Crusher in The Next Generation, will be will even be having the opportunity to write a brand new, brand new TNG story for the anthology, giving him a chance to return to the stories fans knew him best. IEW has even confirmed a few of the stories. W- that will be within the pages. These will include aforementioned heartfelt tale by TNG's own Will Wheaton, as well as a visit to the Kelvin universe, 
and Kayla Detmar as Venus Star Trek Discovery. Adventures in the 32nd Century, number three, on a new expedition. This legendary anthology will be available in local comic stores in September. It's expected to be priced at $7.99. So this will be a big one to add to your collection. Given that IDW tapped Will Wheaton through the pen of one of the stories in this massive Star Trek comic, it's certainly going to be one that will appeal to fans across the decades. David, I think you're up next. Okay. All right. So I have a story. Oops. Sorry about that. Okay. I have a story. Everyone the Trekkie at Petalpalooza Star Trek ride. If you heard strange music or saw a spaceship bike and people with pointy ears riding around Northeast Thursday night, you were not hallucinating. It was the second annual Star Trek ride held as part of the Petalpalooza. After meeting in Oregon Park for a round of Trekkie trivia with warm-up questions that include what does the Vulcan Ackerman Idic stand for and what class of ship is the USS Voyager, a huge formation of show fans explored Beaumont, Wilshire, and surrounding neighborhoods in search of intelligent life. Before finishing off the night with the performance by none other than USS Improvise, a Star Trek theme theater trope, Galvelovich, the ride leader, didn't mind at all. To him, being the Trekkie isn't about how much you know about the show. It's a frame of mind. At the end of the ride, he addressed the crowd at Lawhurst Park. Are you a Trekkie? If you believe in science, if you believe in infinite diversity and the freedom to explore, and you believe in a better future for humanity and our natural world, then you don't have to have seen one episode. You are a Trekkie. And these days, we need as many Trekkies as we can get. Paul, what's on your story list? Well, my friend, you know, a lot of folks have today, like, circled in red on their calendars because they are chomping at the bit to check out the season finale of the first season of Star Trek Strange New World. Some of us may have already seen that episode, but we're not talking about it tonight. Yet, even though it's the ending of that first season today, I'm here to tell you, production has wrapped already on Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Season 2 is already wrapped, and we're just barely finishing Season 1. That's what I would call an embarrassment of riches, man. So it's like, if you enjoyed all these great episodes of Strange New Worlds this year, there's a whole other season out there that's in the can that we're guaranteed to get. Confirmation that the Toronto-based production had finished work on season two of Strange New Worlds came from producer-director Chris Fisher. He sent out a tweet Friday morning announcing it and thanking the cast and crew in the city of Toronto that read, That's a wrap on season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Thanks to the very best cast, crew, writers, directors, city of Toronto, and Canada for all your love and support. And most of all, thanks to the amazing fans and all those who share our collective goal 
to boldly go. Writer producer Bill Wolkoff showed how the AR wall got turned into a virtual party in the engineering set to celebrate the completion of filming. Uh, amazing technology. It's like, what are you talking about, the AR wall? Well, it's, it's very much like the volume that they use on uh, The Mandalorian. It's one of those things. You can easily see it. You've probably seen it on uh, Ready Room before, but it's, it sounds like they use that as their uh, backdrop for the party. Uh, production on season two has wrapped. Uh, the Pix Mondo artists made virtual fireworks for our last day on the AR wall. Probably smart, less chance of burning down the sets. The announcement is likely for the main production unit. It is common and for additional second unit and or pickup shots to be required along with any additional dialogue recording, <clears throat> ADR, or reshoots. Filming began on February 1st for the 10 episode season. And it was in mid-March that Paramount officially confirmed filming along with announcing the season would include Vampire Diaries star Paul Wesley playing James T. Kirk. Ba-boom, mic drop. There's been no official announcement on a release time frame for season two of Strange New Worlds, but a good guess would be around a year after the May 2022 debut of season one. Makes sense. And besides, we've got all those other Star Trek shows coming out. We've got to watch in between now and then. While it is expected... There is no official word on if the show will continue into a third season. However, this reader would, frankly, bet large sums of capital that that's pretty much a done deal. That season is great. I mean, they have done it's that show has injected more vitality and more lifeblood into Star Trek than anything else in a long time, as far as just pop energy and attention and just satisfying storytelling. So I pretty much think it's a guarantee friends that we can count on a third, fourth, fifth and beyond season of this show. I don't know how long everyone signed for, but they got serious mojo working on their sides right now. My guess is they're going to continue to rock that train as long as they can. That's what I got. How about you, big Jim? Well, start. Well, this was going to be a Shatner says what, but he doesn't actually say anything but uh star trek legend william shatner is getting his own documentary that's right you heard it here first um he's a star of television and stage and even went to space as the oldest man ever to do so so it should stock no one that a new documentary is in the works for the trek legend the documentary is being developed by legion m and exhibit a pictures and they're promising an unprecedented opportunity to participate in the feature film about Shatner's life. They should call it Get a Life. Um, the project is being directed by Alexandria O. Philippe, and the film promises to show Shatner as the man behind the many masks he's worn throughout his career. Fans to have an unprecedented opportunity to participate in the feature film about the life of the celebrated icon with footage to debut during um, Hall H panel at the San Diego Comic-Con, truly unique fashion. Legion M, the world's first fan-owned entertainment company, is allowing fans to invest directly in the project. Unlike a Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign, these investors are doing more than just providing the funds to produce the film. They also own a share of any potential profits the documentary earns. Investment terms have not been released yet, But beginning today, fans can sign up to make a non-binding, non-obligation reservation here. Reservation holders 
I don't know where here is. A reservation holders will be the first to know when the offerings open and will be given priority if it sells out. The producers will be providing an early look at some of the footage on pop culture's biggest stage later this month during a Hall H panel at San Diego Comic-Con featuring William Shatner and moderated by actor-director-comedian Kevin Smith from Jay and Silent Bob's franchise. I love Kevin Smith. At 91 years old, William Shatner is, a, is an iconic actor, artist, and astronaut best known for his legendary role in Star Trek as Captain James T. Kirk, spanning nearly 30 years of film and television, as well as his titular character, T.J. Hooker, and the television series, Boston Legal. Said Bill Shatner, for years I've had people approaching me to do a documentary about my life, but I turned them all down because it didn't feel like the right fit. Alexandria and I hit it off right away. And when I heard how Legion M wanted to incorporate audiences to be part of it, it was perfect. Fans have even been responsible for my career. It only seems right. They should own the documentary. So that finishes up our uh, Star Trek news, guys. And now it's time to talk about last week's episode of Strange New Worlds. And before we do that, we have to set the mood with our cadets log. Cadets personal log, stardate 2510.6. My assignment to Enterprise is over. After we complete our current mission, delivering Vidium power cells to Deep Space Station K7, I go back to Earth. I'm excited to see my grandmother. Our last call was cut short. Life on a starship has a way of taking over. I've rotated through almost every department. So many amazing, talented people. The top everyone of everything. They all know why they belong in Starfleet. For them, Starfleet has always been the destination. For me, it was where I ran to after the loss of my parents. Serving aboard Enterprise is an affirmation of this entire crew's hopes and dreams. I envy their surety. But me? I guess I'm still searching. All right, guys. Now that I've set the mood and got you thinking about last week's episode, every week on our Facebook page, when a new episode airs, which has been for the past 47 weeks, Charles, something like that? Something like that. It's been a long stretch where we've been spoiled with a brand new Star Trek episode every Thursday, almost a full year. So every Friday, I post on our Facebook page, and I ask you guys, the fans, to score this week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10. Now, tomorrow, I will post the, the scale for tonight's episode, so you guys can look for that tomorrow on our Facebook page. But at any rate, I ask you guys, the fans, to tell us what you thought about the episode and score it on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. We go through those scores. And then we give our scores to kind of see how close we fall with what you guys said. So, David, what did our fans say about All Those Who Wander, which was last week's Strange New World episode? Oh, boy. Okay. So, on a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what score would you give Strange New World episode All Those Who Wander? And the first one, we have Robert S. Kitzler. He says, 
9.5. I thought Hemo was a unique and interesting character addition to the Star Trek universe. It was a mistake to kill arguably uh, uh, the most interesting character on the show, Great Loss. Uh, yeah, I kind of have to agree with that. I wish he would have been around a little bit longer, maybe in the season two, but yeah. Uh, next one, we have Brian Kane. He gives it an 8.5. For me, they borrowed a little too much from Alien, but it was effective. I'm very disappointed that they killed off Hema before we even really got to know him. Again, I have to agree. I really wish I would have kept him around. But, you know, that's just where the ball rolls, I guess. All right. And uh, here's from one of our top fans, David Macrum, or Markham. Uh, 9.5. As my son pointed out, Hema had no plot armor like Pike. Spock, Uhura, and Sam Cook. It hurt, and I wish they hadn't done it. And I don't know why they did it, because she could have been really great but it shows that the stakes are real. And another one from the top fan is Terry Ramsey. He gives it a six. Not very original writing. Have you seen Alien? <laughs> okay, next one is Cheryl Van Eichelenberg. I don't know if that's pronouncing it right. Sorry for butchering it. Uh, they give it, uh, yeah, so he gives it a, a nine. It was fun scene in an alien type of episode, especially since the alien franchise was already a part of Star Trek in the movie generation when Picard is in his dream world. One of the kids gets an alien toy under the Christmas tree. I never even noticed that. <laughs> uh, next one, we have Wes Huntington. He gives it a seven. Not a big fan on sci-fi horror, but why do I see a bunch of IP violations with how the story would play out? Alien and Predator? Paramount will probably be getting a call from Ridley Scott and Jim and John Thomas. <laughs> uh, Michelle Halliday, she gives it a nine or nine. Could this be the best first season of any Trek series to date? One more episode to go to find out 10. Well, we'll just have to wait till next week. Craig Joe Ryder gives it an eight. You knew the lieutenant and cadet were dead as they just got introduced. Might as well put them in red shirts. I usually do not like these episodes because, you know, the main characters usually get out. So no real risk. I thought the Gorn reproduction menon was stupid for a space-bearing species. That said, Hammer's death had me tearing up. A way to bring in Scotty and Sam Cook was a bit nuts. I guess that's why he left Starfleet. All right, and next one we have Tom Patrick. He gives it a 10. This was absolutely incredible, and it finally, finally gave me the answer to what if Star Trek met Alien with a little Predator thrown in. I have to rewatch it, but Hema is gone? What the hell? That was a gut punch. <laughs> All right, and the last but not least, the top fan, Mandy Rogers. 
He gives it a 10, but really did did they have to let him go? He was so good. And out of all of that, uh, final fan score was an 8.7. Charles, what's on your list? Well, I have to wait for an intro. Uh, Jim? Uh-oh. Huh? Really, Jim? Well, I guess I guess Jim's miss uh, lost Jim there for a moment. So I guess I'll have to skip the intro and talk about Architect Training. And this week in Cadet Training was another easy week thanks to Ready Room. They gave me a great list of ones that I could put in. I decided to add one extra to the list. And let's just go down the list. In TLS, episode 26 in the first season, Devil in the Dark. Where we met the strange creature in the mines. Episode 14, season 2, Wolf in the Fold. And move on to TNG, Season 4, Episode 17, Night Terrors. And Season 6, Episode 5, Schisms. On to DS9, Empok Nor. And Season 5, Episode 24, Void. And Season 2, Episode 23, The Thaw. Enterprise. Season 3, Episode 5, Impulse. On to Discovery, Context is for Kings. Season 1, Episode 3, where we get to meet Ripper. And then one where we didn't know what was going to happen to one of our major characters. Best of Both Worlds, TNG, Season 3, Episode 26, and Season 4, Episode 1. A lot of stuff you can go back and seeing kind of the history of what you have and kind of horror and such in Star Trek. So, Jim, why don't we talk about the episode? That's a good idea. Our phone, our phone lines are open, 646-668-2433 is the number. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I hear a cat meowing. It's, it's not AJ this time. <laughs> No, that's Tara. All right. So, yeah. So, we've got a lot to talk about, guys. Uh, you know, they mentioned Deep Space Station K-7. We we have uh, some Gorn-busting, horrifying adventure. Um, we have Gornovision. We have Gornography. Uh, we have so much <laughs> Gorn to talk about um, that I don't know where to start. But we're going to start off. Um, each week I watch this, the episodes and I try to pull out some sound bites that I think you guys might like, something that we can talk about on the show, or just something that I liked in the episode, just a phrase or something that, that, that I liked that I want to share with you guys. Um, and so the first one that I want to play for you guys is right in the very, very beginning of the episode, and this is an interaction between Mr. Spock 
and uh, Lieutenant uh, Redshirt, who uh, doesn't make it out of the episode, whose name I can't recall right now. But this particular clip is entitled The Drinking Game. Man, this is going to be a hike. Geothermal anomalies have forced us to land several kilometers from the peregrine. We can work quickly. This area is highly volatile. It is due to be overrun by an ice storm in approximately six hours. This wind reminds me of Andoria. <laughs> Glad someone can enjoy it. The anomalies, is that what's killing our comms? Negative answer. It is the ionic interference that prevents long-range communication. Drink. You owe me drinks, box. Give the lieutenant now. You call him an instant, you gotta buy him a drink. Starfleet tradition. Another human drinking game. Does their number have no limit? Nope. Does the number have no limit? I just love it. Um, it's just it's just a fun scene, and I like it. But they kind of pulled one on us because Lieutenant Drake wore a yellow shirt, and um, Duke. Cadet uh, Duke. And with Cadet Ayo, was that her name? A A A Y O. A Y. The other, the other. You mean the the other cadet? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Chia. Chia, that's it. Chia. Uh, she wore a blue shirt, and both of them died. So they took the old red shirt trope and kind of threw it right out the window. Kind of. We're going to get <laughs> to a red shirt who died a little bit later. But right now. Um, the, the, the first two that die are not red shirts. They're gold shirts and they're blue shirts. Um, so still a trope, though. If you go down if you go down on an away team, you're going to die if you're in a red shirt or if we don't know who you are. So, and they proved that true in this one. We had two characters that we just met that don't make it out of the episode. So there was that. Um, and I, I did like, I did like, uh, it was kind of a setup when Hemmer says, just like Andoria, he's breathing in the cold air and he's, he's feeling invigorated and alive, uh, because he's not about to be shortly. So that was, that was a cool scene. Now, another scene that I really liked in this episode was Uhura getting a chance to do her, her job. And, uh, this is one of the things besides just sitting on the bridge saying, Alien frequency is open, Captain. Alien frequency is closed, Captain. The alien ship is contacting us, Captain, which is pretty much what Uhura did. Occasionally, she might have played, you know, sung a song here or there. But for the most part, that's all that she ever did. And, uh, well, in the Kelvin universe, Uhura kicked butt. But on, on the TV show, that's pretty much what she did. Well, this particular clip, I thought it was great because this clip shows us Uhura actually doing what Ohura was trained to do, and that is to be a linguist of a sort. What's he saying? Universal Translate isn't processing us. Ohura do something. That's not how linguistics works. Wait. It's two life signs, right? He might be protecting someone. We should lower our weapons. Stand down. Uh, 
think you're right about this. We're friends. We're here to help you. So here's Uhura doing her thing and communicating with an alien. And I want to say, what did you guys think about Buckley? Did you like him? Love love the work they did to make that character. I I thought he was so cool. Um, I I like the fact that they're not using CGI. Um, They use a little bit of CGI. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But as far as characters go, they haven't been using CGI to create any of their, their aliens. They're all practical effects. And I think that makes a big, big difference. Um, They come out, they come out on the screen. They feel more, um, uh, they have more of a presence. Yeah. They just feel better. They're more tangible. Yes. They're more tangible than a CGI. Yeah. It's like when you think back to uh, the shepherd in one of the first couple of episodes there, right? I mean, uh, it looks, it looks very convincing. I mean, they've, they've got a great uh, design aesthetic going on right now because they've really managed to create, Several aliens that, for the most part, that come across looking, you know, really unique, uh, really convincing as being, well, that seems practical. It looks unusual. It's like you buy it, right? It doesn't seem like it's arbitrarily designed, right? Just to look goofy. Right? It seems like there's some thought put into it, right? Kind of from a like the Wayne Barlow aesthetic, right? And uh, and it's really great. They're doing a really good job. And he, you know, he looks terrific on camera. It looks like a breathing, you know, you, you buy it right away. It comes across very well. Yeah, I- and uh, they I like gave him a unique head, language. His head opened, kind of like the predator's face. The top of his head kind of opened up. Yeah, it kind of implied that like his his breathing apparatus or his lungs were were near near his brain. That's that's what I got yeah. from that. Right? It was almost like he was like he wanted to make sure the brain is well uh, oxygenated. So it's like they, you know, that's where <laughs> that's where his respiration system is. And you know, it's all just fill in the blank stuff, but little things like that are really great because it like keeps you really super engaged. It makes it really fun. And, uh, I thought that was great. So I agree, man. I thought he was very, uh, very well rendered. Uh, they have a really, they're off to a really great start of giving us unique, you know, aliens yeah, it, that are unique to this, this particular, uh, arm of the franchise. So really cool. Remember when and, that trampoline alien said to Kirk in prison, Klingon prison, where she said, not all aliens have their uh, inside all in, one, in the same area. So In the same place. Uh, same place. One of the things that I'm going to talk about a little bit later, that this is a good segue to, to mention it here. One of the things that really impresses me about Strange New Worlds, and what I'm about to say is not a knock on any other Star Trek, so don't flood me with hate mail and stuff because that's the last thing on my mind okay but on strange new worlds they are not using makeup and painting people's faces a different color and saying here's an alien and they're not just throwing a rubber headpiece on them and saying this guy's an alien because his head looks different they're actually creating aliens and that really impresses me i really like the fact that the aliens that we've seen so far are actually aliens. They look like aliens, like we were just talking about. The uh, Buckley character, I don't know what his race is, but uh, he's an interesting character. The Shepherds were interesting characters. And I really like how they're creating these aliens, and they're actually 
making them alien, like Buckley's head. Were those his lungs? Was that his breathing? I, I think so. But I think it's great when they actually create an alien that's actually an alien. And I'm not knocking anything that's done previously. I'm just saying that I like what they're doing with the aliens on Strange New World so far. They look really, really spectacular. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about Captain Pike. Um, if you listen to the podcast before, you know that I just love Anson Mount. I fell in love with Anson Mount in Discovery Season 2. As soon as he came on the ship, I was like, wow, this guy is like, this guy is so cool. And we learned from his character through, through this season so far that he's kind of an old school guy. He had an old TV and he was watching The Day the Earth Stood Still on a television. He had a corded telephone. He rides a horse. He lives in a log cabin. Um, he cooks food in his cabin for the crew. He doesn't use a replicator. So, you know, all these things say a lot about the character. They spell out the character. And in this particular episode, um, there was a little exchange that I that made me laugh because it just it was it just felt like Pike, like something Pike would say. And uh, I'm going to play it for you right now. I just called it the station wagon. Provides us in the landing party to make repairs and treat the wounded. Meanwhile, Enterprise can continue on to deliver the video. Like you said, sir, people are capable of doing two things at once. Let me get you some bacon. It's risky. There's no way the landing party could contact the ship. True. It is a communications dead zone. But I have faith in our crew to get it done. Enterprise can pick us up on the way back. Us? I'll oversee this one personally. Get the cadets out on one last away mission with senior officers. You sure you want to split up the crew? It'll be fine, number one. You get the supplies to K-7. I'll pile the kids in the station wagon, take a road trip. Sir, the station wagon? Anybody has to go, now's the time. Do not make me turn this car around. Okay. You have your orders. So, I just love that. Because if you've ever gone on a road trip, then this, is, this is what it is. Throw the kids in the station wagon. Everybody go now before we hit the road. And to me, that's just a, a pike thing because it fits with what we've learned about the character so far. He, uh, he seems like uh, he could live in today's world and be just fine. He doesn't rely on technology. He's, he cooks his own food. He watches black and white classic sci-fi, which... God, by the time of Star Trek, that's got to, what, 300 years old? That's, I mean, that's beyond classic. Yep. Uh, archaic? <laughs> I don't know what the word would be. But, um, yeah. So I just like, I like Pike. And was anybody, did anybody else want to see Space Station K7? We never got there. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. I wanted to see K7. Yeah. Wouldn't be interesting but to see you. They never showed it to us. Wow. Oh, I'm sure we will at some point in this. I mean, given the cosmology and the environment that we're in, I mean, I, I, at some future season we're in. But but think about it. I mean, given the plot, it would have been a real distraction. You know, there's there no reason for it other than just, you know, oh, look, there it is. All right. But it was just like, I think they really needed to focus and, it's it's been kind of a hallmark of the show is that they have very crisp, um, for the most part, uh, focused 
quick plots. They don't tend to have a lot of like unnecessary, you know, side side game. So I, I think it would have been, you know, fun to see, sure. But but it's they're focusing on telling the story, and that's you know that's a smart choice. I'm sure there's be plenty given who we're meeting recently on the show. I'm sure there'll be plenty of visits to K7 if we want to have them. If there's a reason for it. Yeah, well, especially if the they, show continues on for more than three seasons. Yeah, well, you know what? They made up for not showing K7 in tonight's episode that we'll talk about next week, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> at, any, at any rate. <laughs> Why, Jim, are you say, are you admitting that you've already seen it, Jim? <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I, I couldn't wait. People were spoiling it for me, so I had to watch it. So, yes. But only once, only once. I've only seen it once. I'll probably see it three or four more times before next week. So. Oh, man. But, <laughs> we, I, I've covered all the fun stuff that I wanted to throw out there, the things that I liked, the things that gave me a chuckle. Now we're going to dive right into the actual gornography of the episode. We're going to get into <laughs> some porn vision here. So the Enterprise is sent to rescue the crew of the USS Perigen, which is a Sombra-class starship. And Dr. Mbenga says, oh, I served on a Sombra class very fast. He even goes on to say that they use some of the same parts from the Sombra class to build the Constitution class. Pike goes on to say that the ship has a crew of 99, and I believe the Enterprise, the TOS Enterprise had a crew of 208, I believe, whereas the movie Enterprise had a crew of 400. No, I think on the series he says 400 on the series. Does he? Okay. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm almost positive. Yeah, I think I heard. I heard that number two on the TOS series you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's four hundred. But the original Enterprise only had a crew of two hundred, I believe. There's some debate on that. But the reason why I mention it, the reason why it's even remotely relevant at all, is because the Sombra class is a smaller, faster ship than the Enterprise, which is the crown jewel of the Federation, the flagship, the biggest, the best, the fastest, that would be the Enterprise. And the Peregrine is, is a smaller subclass of that. It's just it's a lighter, smaller, faster ship with only a crew of 99. So yeah. um, I, I would have to arguably say that um, the Sombra class probably was built before the Enterprise. Because, you know, sometimes you just build things smaller first before you get into the bigger one. So that's just my take on why they kind of came up with that class that's smaller. So I don't know. I, I think, um, I mean, let's, let's look at the Klingons. The Klingon bird of prey that we see in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Sulu says it's a small ship with a crew of 12. Yet, how yeah. many times have we seen the bird of prey since then? And it's like as big as the Galaxy-class starship. With, with the crew of hundred, yeah. it's huge. So, um, you know, a lot of times they just reuse the models they have. They reuse the, the uh, digital art that they've already created and they just assign a new name to it. And I think that's what they did in this case. Um, it would have been nice to see a different class starship. Um, and I'm not saying that we're going to see a, a different class starship in the future. I'm not saying that, you know, tonight's episode had, a new starship in it. I'm not saying that at all. But if it did, it would be nice to see it. Um, 
So I don't I don't have a problem that they used a smaller version of the Enterprise and just changed the name. So that was that yeah. was pretty cool. And it it landed on the planet uh, too, if I recall correctly. And and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Please do. Enterprise is not capable of landing on a planet. Correct. I don't think this ship was meant to land. I think it crashed on the planet. Well, the he the, the exact words in the in the episode were emergency landing. Um, but I I don't think the Enterprise. I don't think Pike's Enterprise is capable of doing that. I think if if Cape if Pike's Enterprise landed on a planet, it'd be a crash landing. That'd be nothing left of it. This particular ship being smaller, I think it's that that it can, perhaps, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But being being Star Trek fans, I thought we might want to talk about the 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 ship a little bit before we move on to what happened to the crew. Well, if, if it could land, I want to know where the landing struts are. <laughs> I mean, where it's ship that yeah. shape. It, it doesn't make sense for it to be able to land on the planet. It would tip over, it, it you think. Yeah, it would fall over from gravity. Our, our first but. starship actually was Voyager for planetary landing, so I don't think this one was designed for plan, for going into that alert or going to landing. Yeah, I think you're right. I would agree with that. So um, we have a caller, guys. Believe it or not, we do. If I can get my thing to work, there we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Truck Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's Nate from Vegas. Nate from Vegas. So, Nate, what do you think about the USS Paris? Where it is 103 degrees right now. I don't know if Charles gave you the temperature over here and what it was earlier this evening for you guys. Uh, What do I think about the ship? Yeah, the Sombra Blast. It's a smaller guy. I think it it was lazy. They put no effort into it. If you look at that ship when it's being apparently towed via tractor beam by the Enterprise, it is exactly, looks exactly like the, the Constitution class. It is the same size as the Constitution class. It is in no way a different class um, at all. That's, that's my feeling on that class. All right. Well, we might, we might be seeing uh, a new Starship or two in the not-too-distant future. So, like, so we'll have to wait and see. So let's dive in and talk about, about the Gorn. So there's, there's a scene in, the, in this episode, uh, let me see if I can find it, where we find out from La'an exactly what the Gorn are up to. And uh, I had it a minute ago, but then, but then Nate threw me off track, and I went to answer the phone, and I lost my place on my list. It's all Nate's fault. So in that case, let me Good. go all the way back Good. up and go down. <laughs> go down. It's all I'm going to blame it on Nate. Um, I had it all I'm lined up. Until, as soon as I went to answer the phone and I got off the one screen, it went, it went back to where – here it is. So um, – this clip is called The Hatchlings, and obviously we know what that's all about.
He came out with him. I didn't see her. The girl. Four gone hatching. I count one dead, that leaves three. Then we're sure soon and then fight for dominance. What do we do? What do we do? Scan for biosignatures. Still no comms. I have hits on our people, but nothing on the Gorn. I doubt it. Somehow they've found a way to avoid our senses. So they could be anywhere. Take this. Watch the ceilings shoot anything that moves. Yeah. We need to find that girl. They need to find that girl. Interesting. Mm. So this is where we find out that the Gorn actually uh, gestate inside of a host. Sounds familiar. I think there was another movie that did the same thing. Could be. Could be not. But um, this is the scene, and I like this particular scene because I like the music. The music in that scene is very... uh, uh, creepy. Yeah, it's going. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> the music just goes along with the with what's happening in the scene, just absolutely perfect. And I just I just like that. I like that particular scene, and uh, I like uh, Christine Chapel's reaction to the to the Gorn bursting out of Buckley, and uh, what happened. Poor Buckley. He died before we got to know him. A lot of people died in this episode. But um, Buckley <laughs> Buckley was the first, uh, but not the last. So, um, Did they mention what alien Buckley was? I don't know if they ever mentioned that. No, they said they didn't know what Buckley was. Okay. They, they had no clue. But um, there is something that we have to do here, though. Um, we used to do, I, and I say used to, one of, one of my favorite parts of the show was Hammer Time. But guess what? This will be the last, the last Hammer Time clip that we're going to play. So um, enjoy it. Soak it in because this will be the last. So uh, this is Hammer Time, and these are um, Hammer's Moments of Wisdom. All right, and here we go. Our final words of wisdom from Hammer. I'm going to miss you, Hammer. Nonsense. People tend to find their way back around in Starfleet. Mm, not me. When you asked me about my life path, I didn't have an answer. So... I had to ask myself, Uhura, why don't you have an answer? And what was Uhura's response? I've just been drifting. It's time for me to stop coasting. And you feel that serving in Starfleet is coasting? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. Who knows where I'll end up? But 
I'm not afraid to face it alone anymore. Interesting. I never felt that your fear was being alone. I think your problem is the exact opposite. Oh, really? Please, enlighten me. Make friends easily when you allow it to happen. You think I don't like making friends? No. I think you love it. And deep down, that scares you. Because your real fear is putting down roots. So now you're a ship's counselor. <laughs> I understand. It is better to leave than to be the one left behind. But that's wrong. You create bonds. It's a gift. Of course, the people you care about are going to cause you pain. It will hurt. But the love it yields will far outweigh the sorrow. You go, Hammer. You go. So they, they gave our final words of wisdom from Hammer. Uh, he was wearing a red shirt, so we shouldn't be surprised and what happens next. But um, I agree with our listeners. Uh, I, I really like the character, hence the reason why we have Hammer Time, which won't be anymore. So let's talk about it a little bit, guys. So I've played some clips, and I've, I've played some Hammer Time. I do have one more clip to play, but we're going to play that at the end. Uh, so we'll save that one for later. So let's start off with you, David. What did you think about this episode overall? You heard, you know, you heard, you heard what the fans thought. I played some clips from the episode. So what did you think about it? Okay. Well, um, yeah, I, I actually liked this episode quite a bit. Um, I actually got a little bit of a theory of why the Gorn look different from series to series, like from TOS and Big Brother shoot to, uh, the next, uh, next next generation, the uh, Enterprise, when he was looking more of a, uh, I don't know, a CG <laughs> type, uh, different type of Gorn, I should say, more like a dinosaur. Then in this one, even though, yes, they were infants, they were still kind of growing, and they looked somewhat different. But I actually kind of have a theory of why each Gorn, coming from this episode, of what they said, how they give birth and stuff. Cause if you have ever heard of gene therapy, the idea of switching genes uh, around or DNA per se, that whatever the eggs are implanted into a certain alien host, to me, I think the reason they look different is because they're coming from different alien beings. And even in Star Trek, course, gene therapy is no, you know, it's not a, they don't shy away from it, but um, idea of being able to kind of like a genetically modified Gorn, I guess you could say, to come out of a host, that explains probably why each Gorn that we've been seeing throughout all of Trek looks so vividly different. And they act different too. I'm sure the Gorn from the Enterprise was from the new universe, so, you know, too bad he didn't have a beard, but <laughs> um, <laughs> the idea, though, of being able to look different from depending on what host, it just totally makes sense in Star Trek universe and in, even in today's world where we're cutting into the dream pool of, like, cloning and all this stuff for, like, lambs. So, I don't know. It, it, I liked it a lot. It, it really made the episode for me probably one of the best out of them so far, 
So, yeah, um, that's my take on why the Gorn looks so different. And I would have to say I'm going to be giving this episode a 10. It's just and what I think it's going to they did say what? in the episode, though, David, they did specifically say, Dr. Mbenga said that the gestation period was different depending on the host. Like exactly. in the Orion, it took, it took 10, 10 days or whatever it was. Um, in the yeah. human, it, or Buckley, it took three days. And obviously in Hemmer, it only took a few hours. So it, yeah, it, it's different from host to host. Yeah, and but they didn't specifically say like you know they would look different or anything because probably they they probably didn't need to because they probably never had seen a Gorn before. But you know, it's the idea well, of that the way they look different. Just it's, it's interesting theory of like how they become what they are. And yes, they took it from Alien, which is you know a classic sci-fi. Story, but you know it's an alien, so of course they took it from alien. So why not? And all the um, all the Gorn that we saw in this episode all hatched from Buckley. Yeah. So we didn't see any of the Gorn that the crew was fighting on the Peregrine because they were all outside and got frozen. So we, we only saw the ones that came out of Buckley. So if your theory was yeah. right, then they all looked like you know the same because they came from Buckley. So. Yeah. And that's cool. We all were very diverse into the genetic modification of themselves, I guess. So, and so, so you gave it a ten. All right. How yep. about you, Nate? What did you think? I am not giving it a ten. Um, I knew. I, I, I knew that. I, or I, you. <laughs> I uh, I already told you how much I felt that they were lazy about the ship. Uh, another big negative I have for the, uh, this episode is uh, Kirk. He acted uh, very McCoy-like in his treatment of uh, Spock. Now, of course, we don't know anything about his character. It's the first time we've seen that character. But uh, I was just kind of irritated with that, uh, with his attitude towards Spock. Um, the now I will admit uh, I did enjoy the suspensefulness of of how the Gorn were uh, and the situation, but this is the first time that the Gorn have looked like this. Um, other than uh, TOS and uh, in the mirror darkly. Uh, we see what Gorn, a skeletal Gorn in Lorca's menagerie. So in 2017, um, we saw basically an adult Gorn, and that uh, the skeleton was be- uh, very similar to what was presented previously. Uh, and uh, Gorn showed up in lower decks as well, and they uh, looked very similar to the established look of Gorn in that as well. This is the only uh, one under the Kurtzman era that, uh, that looks so drastically different. And from what I understand, there was an article posted from the uh, uh, either showrunner or writer of this show, uh, this particular episode, that they, wanted to, they were going to ignore canon and do whatever the hell they pleased. So that's basically what you have here. So that's 
that attitude uh, uh, definitely brings it down for me and that they're not even trying to match even Kurtzman-era uh, established Gorn look. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, I didn't... Uh, I did feel that the, that this was kind of a should have been the season finale, just the way uh, everything was betraying out. And yes, uh, the unexpected death of our chief engineer uh, did did hit me in the feels again, like uh, uh, the previous episode's ending did. Uh, so that brought up a little bit of points for me on the positive side. Uh, other than the fact that we lost a character. Uh, but uh, so overall for me, this one um, is going to be a seven for me. All right. A seven from Nate. How about you, Paul? Well, you know, I got a lot of mixed feelings, friends. A lot of mixed feelings. Um, I think that uh, the director of this episode did a really uh, good job. It was real crisp. Um really came out of the gate uh, establishing a really good mood, right? The, the haunted house planet, right? The cold winds, uh, it, the foreboding environment, you know, it, it was great. Really, really uh, hooked me right from the beginning. I'm like, this is going to be a great episode, you know, really solid, right? Great mood. The cast is great. The whole, the clip you played with the, uh, the drinking game thing, that's a nice dynamic, right? I mean, that was a nice little bit of, Stuff there, and we, we've seen uh, Sam Kirk a couple episodes before this. We, we, I think, even in the pilot, we, he's definitely not his first appearance. But I'll tell you know, and here we go. We're we're going in there. I'll be with a one-two punch, man. Within like you know, two minutes of each other, we've got Newt from Aliens, and we've got the chest bursters from Aliens, right? And I was just like, come on, man. I mean, people have been ripping that off since you know, uh, you know straight to DVD ripoffs for 30 years. I mean, for them to pull that out and go the aliens route with the chest burster. And then on top of that, to have the dirty frizzy haired little girl who's hiding. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just like, it's such outright derivative. You can't even call it an homage really. I mean, it's just, it's cheap. It's lazy. And it was just super annoying. All right. Uh, I love there were some things I liked about it. I love Dr. Mbenga's, you know, kind of reflexive reaction to Lon where he goes, you know, stop harassing my daughter. Right. Where he has this whole malaprop where he says, you know, the wrong thing. And it's like his subconscious is letting us know he's still wrestling with uh, the fact that his daughter's gone. I love the way he played that. That for me was a, a standout moment. I love uh, Lon's you know, trauma and she just wants to kill and she's all reckless and stuff like that. That was great. Um, continue to really love the dynamic between Spock and Chapel. Those guys are great. I uh, love what's going on there, especially in the scenes at the end where he's like sort of not really able to be completely fully in control of, of what he's let loose. Um, I didn't like uh, Chapel being so coward, you know, like a, like a stereotypical cowardly, you know, reaction and there was just a hiding and all freaking out and I, I expect more from her from that and tell me if I'm wrong but when these hatchlings come out right they're still very small <laughs> it's still haven't matured to the next level or molted or whatever it was that the lawn said yet two of them these little things that are the size of like you know a, a, a smaller than a 
lizard, basically, or a pulling lieutenant, you know, uh, yellow shirt or whatever his name is there. I, it's, it's eluding me now. Um, lieutenant Duke. They're just pulling him off down the hallway. These tiny little baby gorns. Come on, man. I mean, no one – when you're sitting there watching the show and you're audibly going, come on, scene after oh, scene, yeah. it's not a good sign. That was just preposterous, man. No one in their right mind is buying that. So, I mean, all the stuff with the way the gorn were depicted, I really had an issue with. I thought it was really embarrassing and kind of uh, a cheap ripoff. Of, of, and I expect way better from these guys. Because my rubric is to judge them on what they've done previously. And they've previously been way smarter writers and way more original writers than what they gave us in this episode, which was, you know, kind of, you know, great wrappings. I mean, really well directed. I mean, super cool environments, right? And, and really nicely, nice evocation of mood. Um, but I'm super sad to lose Hammer, right? Um, that guy is just phenomenal uh, uh, wonderful character and splendid acting from this guy love all those nice scenes uh, with him and Uhura right I mean the, the mentor figure and to lose I mean like Nate said definitely gets you in the field I mean his death was felt like he wasn't just a cheap get, get rid of him it, it was powerful it was sad I mean it was really moving but I think long term it's a mistake he was really a distinctive, unique presence among that crew. He was the one real alien, right? Sorry, Una, uh, but he really was, right? I mean, he was just so unique, and we were just getting to find a little bit more about the Anar and his backstory. He would have been a wonderful continuing addition to this ensemble. And to have him be gone this soon, man, that's a... That feels like a misstep to me. Uh, who knows? I mean, they have a lot of other new things in the pipe that are going to take his, take his place. And if so, that's great. I mean, I, you know, overall, this has been an incredibly strong first season of a of, of franchise. I mean, uh, really, really, really great, which is why <laughs> resorting to chestbursters is, you know, disappointing and super underwhelming. So it's like, overall, I would probably give this episode between a six and a half and a seven. I think my IMDB rating was a six. I've watched it twice and that brought me up a little bit to maybe a seven it's because of the strength of the acting from Bruce Horak mostly, but you know, but cheap derivative ripoff stuff that we've seen a thousand and one times. Come on guys, especially given how iconic the Gorn is on uh, the original series. I mean, we are talking iconic. Maybe you didn't feel like you could pull that off in a new way, but I think they needed to find a better, you know, compromise to be original without resorting to, like, you know, baby velociraptors. So that's my take on it, guys. Sorry to go off, but, uh, yeah, frustrating. Uh, a lot I liked, a lot I didn't. All right. Well, Charles, what about you? Okay. Being this era of classic Trek, especially in reruns of people from the 70s and 80s to getting their trek, having to go to reruns and enjoying the Gorn. Many of us were fans of Aliens. And from my point of view, I thought this was, as I heard chatter about it, a bit of an homage to Aliens. I think it's a little more of an homage to those fans that were big fans of the original. 
Yeah, the growth rate was rather interesting, but <clears throat> we've also heard from previous episodes how vicious the Gorn are. And we kind of get an idea why the Gorn are so vicious and why they're kind of one of our big enemies, vicious creatures of the season. And I think they did a good emphasis why they're such a, a difficult creature. And I think that added a little more to them. We understand why we've got to stay, why we've got to evade them because they are so dangerous. Uh, the comment about owing him a drink. I would not be surprised if that's something that still occurs in the military. If somebody gets a rank and you start referring to them by the wrong rank, the drinking games are still rather common, I think, in the military. The only downside I had this episode, even though it was kind of dark at points, I think was a sad part of losing Hammer. I think it dropped my score half a, or by a first by a tenth because I think that's going to be a big loss, even though I understand why they're doing it. Because we're eventually moving to season two and eventually getting new characters and eventually pushing towards new the original TOS characters. So I love Hammer's, and I think you'll play it, his little, his little death speech and talking about to her uh, about what she's probably looking for in her life. And I love her look that she returns back to the ship and goes to walk on the bridge and kind of looks at that communication station with real interest. And I think that's something that really is something that's like, yeah, She's kind of looking towards really wanting that position. That maybe she doesn't want to just leave the ship she wants to stay on. But I'm going to put this one at an 8.9 out back where the fans are. Well, I want to touch on have, uh, some of the things that could have some people said. Could have gone a little higher, but because of Hammer. I thought that <clears throat> we also lost La'an, which um, we didn't touch on. Uh, Ripley takes off with Newt at the end. So uh, just like in Aliens, uh, when they survive, Ripley takes off with Newt. We also have Hudson. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> That's, I, thought of, I thought of Hudson right away from the Alien movies. We also had Gorn Vision, which was right out of Predator. Um, which which I immediately noticed. As I said, I love the music. I love the mood. I love the low, crooked camera angle. And I really love the fact that, okay, I love the Gorn. Loved, in fact, I have an autographed Gorn that Charles got for me from Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, that's how much I love the Gorn. But um, a guy in a rubber suit, really. This was the 60s. You can't expect that to fly with today's audiences. I'm sorry, but no. So recreating oh. the Gorn and making them... Go ahead. I was, 
I was going to say one comment I had towards the Gorn um, puppets is long live Jim Henson. <laughs> yup. Yup. Right. I, I wanted to say that I think that this is, as far as I can remember, with the exception of um, Consciousness for Kings, which was the third episode of Discovery Season 1, I cannot remember, and maybe Nate can help me out, maybe someone else can help me out, I don't remember a single episode of Star Trek where there was an alien predator that was eating and killing people, that was not a friend, that couldn't be bargained with or dealt with, that just looked at you as food. I, I, not a single episode comes to my mind. Maybe maybe Voyager episode Scorpion with Species 8472, maybe. But I don't recall Star Trek ever going down the road where we had an alien race that was just there for one reason, to kill you. That's a oh. new concept for Star Trek. As far as I the can board. recall. The, the board, board, but they didn't, they didn't eat you. They didn't tear you apart. Well, they kind of did support, technically, I suppose. <laughs> um, but um, I just thought this was something new and fresh and different for Star Trek, something we've never seen. How would a Starfleet crew deal with an alien that wants to eat you, that wants to grow inside of you? And it, it, it was a concept that I like to see on Star Trek. So I enjoyed that. Um, Hammer killed me. I love Hammer. He's my favorite character. And every time I like a character, what do they do to him, Charles? Every time. They kill him off. Yep, it's the kiss of death. style. Yep, if I like the character, they're done. And they did it to me here, too. And uh, I, wow. And, of course, we also lost La'an. So, overall, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I, I didn't see it as a ripoff of Aliens, Predator, or um, uh, Jurassic Park. I was watching it. I thought more of it was an homage. I just, I enjoyed those little, uh, little uh, flashes of movies that I grew up loving in the eighties. So, um, and a lot of, a lot of people like, you know, maybe haven't seen those movies. You got to remember, you know, aliens was 1986. How long ago was that? There might be people that haven't seen that and didn't know, you know, like there's a lot of people who haven't seen TOS because it's 50 years old. So I enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was great. And I'm going to go in the 9.5. And I promised you guys, we were going to, there's one more clip. I would be remiss as a host. I would be downright just the worst host ever, ever, if I didn't play this one last clip for you guys. And uh, Charles already mentioned it. It's a little bit longer of a clip than I like to play, but I have to play it in its entirety because this will be our final, our final um, Hammer clip that we're ever going to play on this podcast unless – they do a flashback or something. We'll never hear Hammer's words of wisdom again. So here it is, guys. This is the Hammer death scene. And, uh, yeah, it's a doozy. Not quite. Going to go outside now. <sighs> Hammer, what's going on? I may not be able to sense them, but I know my own body very well. The spray. It's more than a venom. It's how they reproduce. Captain, open the door. 
I, I can't. I do not want anyone to try to stop me. We can extract them. We'll neutralize the growth process. Figure something out. If we had more time, I'm sure you could. But it's too late. We all know what's coming. Emery, you don't have to do this. But, Captain... My sacrifice saved the lives of those I care most about. For me, there is no other choice. A logical conclusion. Live long and prosper, my friend. No, no, we can help you. You have to let us try. I want to leave you with one last piece of advice. Open yourself. Make a home for yourself amongst others and you will find joy more often than sadness. Hammer. Hammer, please, please. Do not weep for me. I've had a good life. about the episode that I that I didn't think was really necessary or could have been different or changed and that was the funeral at the end um, you know everybody was ignoring the other two and only worrying about Hemmer and I just kind of that felt a little bit odd to me but oh man death scene to me ranks right up there with Mr. Spock in the Wrath of Khan it was done that well in my opinion. So, anybody want to say anything about Hammer? Pretty much, Tim. No? <laughs> that pretty yeah, much wraps It'll be a sad loss to not have on the crew anymore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I hear that he might be back, though. Huh. Well, I us time travel. No, they said that uh, they they did it, an interview and they said that he might be back as a different character. So oh, we, okay. could, we could actually see so Bruce back did on... with the girl from Discovery. Exactly. Where they bring him back as a different character. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, maybe, and this would be a maybe, we'll get the chance to see him again in the novel. We haven't had a good novel. We haven't had a 
Strange New Worlds novel yet. That's I think true. It'd be a great, a great tie-in. That's very, they very true. Might, yeah. They also might bring him back as Hema when they do a Mirror Universe episode. That's true. They could do that too. They could do that too. Well, guys, guess what? We went we went over a little bit, but I kind of thought that we might because we had to cover the death of Hemmer. I, I would be remiss if we did not. We also lost La'an, so um, we'll have to see what happens with her in tonight's episode, which I've already seen, but we'll have to talk about that next week. And that's the quality of mercy, and we're going to talk about that on next week's podcast. So I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for everybody who's listening, no matter where you're listening to. We really appreciate it. And I want to say thank you to Nate for uh, giving us a call and Trek talking with us tonight. Nate, thank you so much. You're welcome. And I want to pass on that our score amongst the six of us, our average is an 8.3 versus the fans of 8.7. Oh, so we're pretty close. We're right in the ballpark. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I'd like to say thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you very much. After watching this episode last week, I was dying to talk about it this week. This week I've seen the episode, and I'm going to be dying to talk about it next week. We, we talked about it a little bit before we came on the air a little bit. So I'm, i I got to watch it at least two or three more times, but that'll be next week. <laughs> and I want to say thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, man. This was fun. And uh, we want to say thank you to Anna, who's calling us as well from Portland. So thank you for hanging out with us tonight, Anna. We really appreciate it. It's really a privilege to be able to listen in. I really enjoy the knowledge. So thank you for your time. You're very, very welcome. And I want to send out an extra special Trek Talk and thank you to our very own donut guy, David. Uh, Eric had to go away on vacation. Go figure. And Eric uh, left us and he'll be back next week. And David stepped in with his donuts and filled the very large shoes of Eric tonight. And he did it exemplary, I might say. Simply fantastic. So thank you so much for stepping in and uh, filling the shoes of Eric tonight, David. Thank you. And uh, I, uh, if you would like me to uh, continue, I would definitely uh, show up for next week to maybe do a little bit more if you need. Yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll see what we can uh, fit you into the schedule. Absolutely, we will try for sure. sure. Uh, I All think right. we're going to be. You guys want to talk about the Gorn on Monday? I haven't come up with a Monday show yet, but I was thinking we could talk about the Gorn. You guys want to talk about the Gorn or something else? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Um, we can we can delve in a little bit. We'll have a full hour. We can talk about the Gorn as we saw them on. Well, we've only seen them really twice, three times if you include the skeleton that that uh, Nate mentioned. And we can talk a little bit more about them on Monday. So uh, that's that, guys. I want to say uh, thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for listening, no matter where you are. We really, really appreciate it. We couldn't do the show without you guys. So thank you. Thank you so much. And as usual, I want to say to stay safe and be good to each other. 
and Star Trek fans are the best fans. Thank you very much, guys, and have a good night. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night. Night. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.